What you missed on Weekend Mornings with Jason Dacey. International News Week in Review time here on Money FM 89.3. And for that, we're joined by a familiar voice here on Money FM, Glenn Van Zeffen, the former CNN anchor and the executive and journalist coach with Van Media. Welcome back. Jason, good morning. How's, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. What a week we've had. It's oh, always something gosh, to talk crazy. about as we look ahead to the new week. And I want to start with um, the Brexit thing. We're now six months away from the what was supposed to be the uh, the exit from uh, great, of Great Britain from the European Union. But Theresa yeah. May, the British PM, has had a, a week from hell, a really terrible week. She's <laughs> accused the European <laughs> Union of not treating the UK with respect in a deliberately combative address that prompted a sharp fall in the pound amid fears it made a, a no-deal Brexit more likely than she had, was really humiliated there in Salzburg uh, with the, this kind of meeting she had with some of the EU leaders. Yeah, the, the 27 uh, other partners uh, really came down hard on her, you know, saying basically, what are we doing here, right? What's the plan? What's going on? She's getting that from the uh, from the EU side. And then at home, of course, people are saying, well, you know, we agreed we're doing this. Mm, Let's do it. Mm, Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. So now they're even calling there might even be a snap election coming, uh, you you know, confidence uh, taking uh, election. So it's a really interesting time. She's she's truly getting it from all sides. Yeah, both within her own party and there's the Labour Party opposition. Uh, and, you know, there are some very strong nationalistic elements within her own party that's putting a lot of pressure on her. Yeah, the... Um the uh, Sunday Times was calling for, um, you know, her aides, that her aides were going to start thinking about contingency planning mm. for a November snap election to to really pull this into uh, to bring it to a head. Right. To figure out what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And Donald Tusk, the EU council president, just said it will not work. It was very blunt. It was extremely <laughs> blunt. This Polish uh, former Polish PM, of course. Well, and the, and the foreign minister, um, uh, Jeremy Hunt uh, in the UK said, look, if, if these tactics by the EU think that they're going to force Britain into doing something, they're sorely mistaken. So all of a sudden you've got this, you know, they're at loggerheads after after many decades of, of trying to work together on different issues. And mm. it's, it's really, I think it's symptomatic of what we've seen right around the world, right? Yes. Between the US and, you know, its former closest partners, uh, you know, Canada and, and Mexico mm. and, and, and even the, the U.S. and NATO. Yeah. And, and there's just this weird global sense of people hunkering down and, mm. and really looking after themselves in a very uh, uh, unusual way yeah. that we haven't seen before. Even in my home nation, Australia, we're seeing mm. it, which is something right. uh, different, you know. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the U.S. And this is big news. The woman accusing Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault has agreed to testify this week against him. It could happen on Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday, Glenn, lawyers for Dr. Christine Blasey Ford said she'd accepted the Senate Judiciary Committee's request to appear before them to be questioned about the alleged attack at a party in 1982. And of course, this has been delaying the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh onto the Supreme Court. And he's the pick of uh, Donald Trump. He's a very conservative gentleman. Well, as your listeners uh, may know or may not know, the the selections for uh, the the candidates for Supreme Court first have to go through this Judiciary Committee hearing Mm. process, Mm. where a whole big panel of of Congress people uh, have the chance to question them on their past, what they believe and all that sort of stuff. And how what kind of a Supreme Court justice they would be. Then once that panel agrees to this person, then they get to go on to a vote in the Senate to either approve them or not approve them. Well, this new wrinkle that's come along, uh, uh, this woman that has accused him of inappropriate conduct back in the 80s, 1982, um, has put a halt on what most Republicans were expecting to be a very easy process. So um, 
on the one side says hey, this is just political. Mm, you know, mm. we, the Democrats are just doing this to to delay, to stall, to maybe try to derail. Um, and the Republican, sorry, the Democrats are saying, look, here's a woman that was legitimate, has a legitimate gripe, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, she should be heard because this goes to the character of uh, Judge mm, Kavanaugh, mm. etc. So, you know, of course, in Washington, all things are political, yes, always, yes. Um, but you cannot discount, uh, you know, if somebody has a, a very serious allegation uh, of this nature. And some parallels to Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas back in 1991. And he, the judge, Clarence Thomas, was confirmed after these uh, allegations by Anita Hill. But this is a quite a different Me Too era, isn't it? It's a different day, uh, as we've seen over the past year or so with, with as you say, with Me Too and, and what's been happening with that. So uh, I think many people think that he, he might still become a Supreme Court mm. justice. But there is a couple there are a couple of women uh, yes. uh, senators, right? Yes. Susan uh, Collins from Maine, right? Right. And also uh, from Alaska, mm. the the, uh, the woman from Alaska. Yeah. I'm sorry, her name escapes me. Mm. Um, Sunday morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Murkowski, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and but, you know, it just takes one or two votes. The vote is so close it's that so if, close, if yeah. for example, both of those uh, Republicans decided not to support him, it could completely mm. derail his, his nomination. Exactly. But you'd have to ask, why would this Dr. Ford, the woman in question, want to bring this up if there's no truth to it? Because she's a successful uh, professional. Uh, you know, she's had a great life. She's got a family and all that. So why would she dig something out from 1982 and be in front of the whole world if there's nothing in it? Well, interestingly, you know, she she was not necessarily she didn't necessarily want to come out and talk about this, mm. and then somebody kind of let the cat out of the bag, if you will, this right. news, right. which brought it to the media's attention, which means she couldn't get you know she couldn't get away from it. She um, on the Republican side, they're saying, look, she's just you know bringing this up at the wrong time. But on the Democrat side, they're saying, look, it, you know, she went through a counseling session in, in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, came out right. All of this is well, all of these comments from her are well documented, going back five six years. Uh, and uh, so, boy, if you can figure this one out, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's it going to be an interesting week, though. She'll, she'll probably be on the stand, actually, uh, maybe Thursday could, could or Friday. Wednesday, I think, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think Friday was too late, so I think it could be Wednesday or Thursday. But Singapore time, right? Yeah, could be my, co- probably yeah Thursday. correct, correct. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so we'll see. But what about this um, another story that's come out about Rod Rosenstein, um, the deputy attorney general who was reported in the New York Times about – you know, thinking about invoking the 25th Amendment to remove President Donald Trump and wearing a wire. And this was all related to, to you know, uh, James Comey's firing around that time was happened in 2017. This is a New York Times story, Glenn. I don't know what your take on this is, but to me, it seems not quite that solid. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, it's hard to tell. Of course, mm. the, the, the right would say, oh, fake news. They've mm, made it up. It's, mm. There's nothing to it. The left would say, obviously, the opposite thing. Um, there, there is so much going on, Jason, and I, I, don't, I don't even know if we can really discuss this story, its merits or yes, its, its credibility, yeah. because there, there, is, there are just so many reports coming, happening and yeah, coming out yeah. um, around what's been happening in the Trump White House uh, and what, what might happen to the president, uh, if anything, in the future. And it, it's just it's, – it's a time that you know, I would encourage anyone who's interested in these stories to read as many sources as you can. Mm, and you make know, your own, own mind up. Left, right and center mm. and, and kind of add them up and divide and, and yeah. you know, take, take some bit of truth out of everything. But I mean, also be skeptical. Yeah, because look – Normally, I think the New York Times is pretty solid, but this one, I'm thinking, you know, was he sarcastic? And uh, and of course, Rod Rosenstein was the person who appointed 
special counsel Robert Mueller, who's right. investigating um, Donald Trump's yeah. possible collusion with Russia. So there are a lot of yeah. implications with this. And yeah. he's backtracked. He's denied it, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, But we've also seen other people denying a lot of stories that they were on the record previously saying yes. or had been interviewed saying. Yes, so, yes. Again, Washington politics, everybody's kind of struggling to mm. keep their own position or whatever. And that's what Bob Woodward uh, said, didn't he, writing yeah. this book, Fear. He said that people will deny them now, but when they release their own biographies, yeah. or they, it, it's often true, right? It's often true, often true. So, I mean, it's hard because we know that there's a very strong presence uh, in the White House, a very vindictive uh, president. And if someone's going to say, yeah, look, I did say that, right. you're in trouble, right? Absolutely. And and I think it would be any any administration if somebody were to, mm. to come out and say in the middle of that administration, yeah, of course, I took papers <laughs> off your desk so you wouldn't sign them. Yes. I mean, no president is going to consider that a good thing. No, no, yeah. So I think in a few years' time, we'll know exactly what happened and wait yeah. the kiss and tell story. There's going to be a out. lot of books coming out in years to come after the Trump presidency is over. That's yeah, for sure. Indeed. All right. Let's yes. change gears and uh, we'll talk about career. And for that, we're brought, bringing in uh, Myeon Mei Chung. She's a former South Korean youth activist who's based here in Singapore. She's working in Singapore, and she's been following a couple of stories, um, Mi-Yun. We're looking at the the third Korean summit happened uh, uh, last week, three days between the two leaders of South and North Korea. You're a South Korean. What was your take? Was this a a significant uh, summit with some good success? Um, I think it's kind of controversial because um, it's actually quite a good thing that they finally made it a bit more concrete, especially on military side, like um, mm. what to withdraw or what to stop, like such as um, withdrawal of um, guard posts or designation of no-fly zones, that kind of thing. But um, quite, con- have- quite concrete on the military side, but the denuclearization side, that's the, the big question, uh, I think. Uh, that, that wasn't that clear, right? They're talking about testing sites, taking that away, but... One gets the feeling that maybe North Korea have got a few things up their sleeve on the um, nuclear side. Correct. So actually some experts say that um, because they have so much data already, they might not need the testing sites anymore. And that's mm. why they are so willing to give up. And that's why um, some of the South Koreans actually feel that um, this is South Korea's loss, that um, we decided to withdraw all the um, guard posts or stop the military training because for North Koreans, they can always like, change their mind or mm. even um, it's not a big loss for them. So it seems like South Korea, Glenn, gave more concrete um, guarantees, whereas North Korea is a bit of a gray area. Well, what's old is new again, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the way it's... This is the way they work. This is the way it works, right? Yeah. And this is the way it's been working since, what, the 90s or, yeah. or yeah. the 80s? Yeah, uh, yeah. we've been doing this for like decades. And decades. me and being a South Korean, we wouldn't all know that. That often we get very encouraged, don't we, by talks? And look, look at the presidents, uh, the U.S. presidents have had talks. Yeah. The dynamics, obviously, on, on the Korean Peninsula are very, uh, very challenging right now. For example, this week, the the North Korean president, after meeting, sorry, the South Korean president, after meeting uh, with Kim Jong Un, um, encouraged the U.S. to finally declare an end to the Korean conflict. Right? Yes. You know, the war is over, um, which puts the U.S. in a bind. You know, this mm. was one of the kind of bargaining chips that the U.S. has been holding for decades. Decades uh, to urge North Korean compliance and things like this, and now, and so that's one element. The U.S. is now lashing out at at Russia for uh, allegedly supplying fuel um, clandestinely to North Korea yes, I saw that. against sanctions that everyone had ag- 
agreed to in the Security Council. So there, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening um, mm. uh, across the board. And um, again, we haven't seen any concrete results from North Korea mm. uh, following the uh, the June summit with uh, with President Trump here in Singapore. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of wondering, OK, when are we going to start seeing some action? Yes. Yeah. And I've got to ask you, Miyuan, as a South Korean, you know, how, how do you feel about technically being at war with North Korea still and, and all that kind of stuff? Does it matter? Does it matter to you? Like, I mean, we, you know, obviously you must have distant relatives in North Korea or there must be some connection between the Koreas as far as uh, families. And we're seeing the family reunions. That's very touching. Yeah, it is definitely touching. But a lot of younger generation don't really feel strong for reunification because we have been separate for so long. And yeah. of course, we really feel bad for North Koreans. But there should be a line between North Korean government and North Koreans who are suffering. Mm. So we feel... We feel bad for them. You feel bad for the people of North Korea, starvation and all correct. that kind of what that we hear about and, and the torture and, and the, these military camps and stuff. Yeah, So correct. I guess you relate to that, right, more than you do for the actually technically being at war with North Korea. Yeah, because um, so far we didn't really feel that threatened, like what um, the whole world thinks. But right. if they um, have some test or anything, uh, we didn't really feel scared because it always happened. It's yeah. like the um, same old thing. And we don't think that North Korea is capable of sending the army because it costs a lot of money and they don't have enough. And why they actually want to change the situation? And when I'm saying they, um, meaning the government, North Korean mm. government, they are okay with now, right? Yeah. So we never really thought that it's quite a threatening situation. Right. So um, so you don't feel threatened. You did, when you're living in South Korea, you're not feeling threatened by North Korea, particularly as a, as a young, as a sort really. of millennial. Yeah, it's interesting, Jason. I was I was in Seoul uh, last month for a conference and spent about four days, four, five days there. And while you're there, of course, you're talking to uh, Koreans and, and people. And uh, many of our listeners are probably you know on the road every now and then, get to Korea's, get to Seoul for business or whatever. And you know, in Seoul. Everything's normal, right? Mm-hmm. No one is. No one shows any outward signs of fear or trepidation. Like life is going on as it has for fifty years now. Yes, yeah. um, you know, and sometimes there's these, there are these little spikes in 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 anxiousness or whatever. Mm. But basically, you know, uh, Koreans, in my my impression anyway, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, Koreans are just getting on with their lives and not particularly concerned. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. finally, Glenn, you know, we've seen U.S. President Donald Trump again trying to, you know sound the trumpet about how great things are going with North Korea. And he said that in the last week. But what's what's your view on uh, how much political mileage you can get out of North Korea in the midterms coming up in November, the midterm elections? Well, we will certainly see commercials on how strong Donald Trump is and the, mm. the famous handshake between him and Kim Jong-un here in Singapore yep. and, you know, the global leadership type mm-hmm. themes mm-hmm. that we will see coming out. But I think unless something happens in the next month and a half, I think anyone who is opposing a, a, a Trump candidate in this midterm election will say, OK, great. He did the summit. But what's happened? Right. Nothing right. has changed yeah. except a handshake. Right. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it could work in someone's favor. It could work against someone, depending on what happens if if there isn't any you know significant movement in the next uh, 90 days. Okay. Fascinating 60 time. Days. 60 yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. It's coming up really soon. Now you're yeah. right. Just a, just a couple of months away. So thank you to, for now, for Glenn Van Zeffen, former CNN anchor from the Van Media Group here in Singapore, and Mion Mei Chung former South Korean youth activist for taking part in our International News Week in Review. Thanks, Jason.